invite the congregation to remain standing for the reading of the scripture today, which comes from the second book of Kings, chapter 23. We pick up with Josiah's reform in this series on the reflections, and we look for the way in which Josiah reflects faithfulness in the midst of challenges. And we'll unpack some of the historical context. But at this point, Josiah has already got everything confirmed that what has been discovered is a remnant of the book of the law. And so here's what Josiah does. The king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all his heart and soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. The king ordered Hilkiah the high priest the priest next in rank and the doorkeepers to remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles that were made for Baal and the Asherah and all the starry host. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron Valley and took the ashes to Bethel. He did away with the idolatrous priest appointed by the king of Judah to burn incense on the high places in the towns of Judah and on those around Jerusalem, those who burned incense to Baal, the sun and the moon, to the constellations and to all the starry hosts. He took the Asherah pole from the temple of the Lord to the Kidron Valley outside Jerusalem, and he burned it there. He ground it to powder and scattered the dust over the graves of the common people. He also tore down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes that were in the temple of the Lord, the quarters where the women did the weaving for Asherah. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, let us pray together. May your spirit, O God, stand between me and your people so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together would be shaped, formed, and molded into the good news of the gospel of Christ, in whose name we have gathered, in whose name we pray, and in whose name we will depart and seek to serve faithfully. And all of God's people did say, Amen. If you read 2 Kings chapter 22, you will read quite a bit about Josiah and his, his growth. Um, from an early age, it's said that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and is typical in the book of Judges and the book of Kings. There is this cycle of faithfulness when all that God has taught has been remembered and there is a cycle of forgetfulness where the Baal worship and these temples, whoa, I know it's not the electricity. See, it's not just me. Last week you were really worried it was me, right? It's not just me. We'll keep going. They'll get that figured out. Or I can't read my notes. I can't read my notes. And everybody said amen, right? <laughs> that was a strategic move, Jason. I see that. Yeah. So when 
Josiah comes into reign. He's only eight years old, so he's surrounded by community, but quickly he's nurtured, and, and what he does, what's in the right of the Lord, he, what he basically does is he restores the faithfulness of the people in worship. Now, the 22nd chapter, what's really fascinating is you find he was roughly uh, 16 years old when this happens, and he starts the reforms, and all he's doing is he's helping the people move back to remember who they are as God's claimed people. And part of what had happened was during these seasons of forgetfulness, the temple itself falls into disrepair. It's not that big a deal. And so the temple needs to be restored. Some of it needs to be um, actually sanctified again. I was really sad to read back in Amarillo of uh, a Facebook post, St. Andrew's Episcopal Church was vandalized. And in the Episcopal Church, the host or the communion elements are set apart and they desecrated everything. They took out the host. They threw it everywhere. They, they broke the cross. They, you know, so what they're doing today is they're having a service of consecration because there's something important about the sacredness of space. We don't create museums, but there are some things that we set apart as sacred and, and we understand what it represents is holy for us. So it's not museum relic, but it, it does regard itself as sacred and holy. I mean, one, one child walked in and asked what my bib meant and the stole, right? So I don't eat barbecue and walk out with my stole like a napkin, right? It, it, it's, a, it's a vestment. It, it, it represents something. So I treat it with care. The temple had not been treated with care. It had been forgotten, and, and all these exterior forces have sort of crept in. Folks, this is a lesson for all of us, because what happens in the culture and world around us is it tends to seep into our value system. N.T. Wright says the greatest challenge of the church today is that we tend to formulate what we think, and then we try to back into biblical scriptures that don't make us uncomfortable and make sense of them. He says we need to just get back to the grounding and that spirit of what's found in Colossians is to set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts at first. Understand the biblical call and then wrestle with the tensions within our culture and within society, but always holding to the faithfulness of the timeless teachings of the truth of Scripture. So they find the book. Hilkiah the high priest says, guess what? We found it. There's a secretary named Shaphanah who comes to Josiah. They read a portion of the book. And here's a marvelous thing that happens in chapter 22. In chapter 22, I think part of the reason, and my mother is going to absolutely love this when she hears it, part of the reason Josiah was so smart is he knew who to listen to. And in chapter 22, you read that the central figure that helps confirm that what Helkiah found was actually part of the book of the covenant was the prophetess Huldah. He listened to the women. And thus, he was a smarter man. That one's for you, Mom, and it's true. Oh, and happy birthday this past week. Love you, Mom. She watches, and I always get calls in the afternoon. So uh, she reminded me a couple of weeks, oh, you know, you forgot to tell this part of that story. I said, well, Mom, <laughs> I don't tell everything. But Josiah's formed. He knows who to look to, right? He, he's consulting. He's surrounded by this community. He's shaping their lives together. And then the reason I want to read this part of chapter 23 is the result of what happens in that is absolutely phenomenal. Did you hear how often in seven verses the word all was mentioned? Right? So, so once they confirm that this is what this is, this book of the covenant, and we believe it to be part of the 
Old Testament in Deuteronomy, uh, what you read is that when, in chapter 22, when Josiah confirms this, he actually provides everything necessary and reinstates the Passover and provides everything for the people to participate and celebrate the Passover. His, his actions matched his words. He brings everybody together. And so you're going to be over here of what I'm going to be telling the youth uh, that are graduating in a bit. Um, at the 11 o'clock service, they'll be with us. Each one of them is going to get today a key that's blank and a cross. And here's why. When we look to the life of Josiah, there are some distinctive parallels that we want to continue teaching to our youth. Early on, we give them a Bible. We teach them how to orient and read the Bible. We nurture them through created by God. We engage them knowing that your faith must be put into practice through summer missions and UM armies. And nothing should change in that trajectory as we prepare to send them into the world. The problem is, or the challenge will be, they'll be making those decisions on their own. And so Josiah is a marvelous example for us. So in the spirit of Fred Craddock, Fred Craddock, be overhearers now of the gospel. And this is what I will tell our youth, but I believe it is true for you and for me as well. The first is what we learned from Josiah that we'll say to these senior high schoolers is you've got to be willing to stand apart. You've got to be willing not just to follow the crowd, but stand apart from others. And I'll remind them that when the waters flow from the River Jordan down towards the Dead Sea, there's a point at which the salinity of the minerals around the Dead Sea change the composure of the water. Fish during heavy rain will sense this in their gills, and the fish that turn against the flow live, and the fish that just let the flow take them die because they can't survive. And they didn't know it's important as they make decisions in their life around them that literally every decision for them in the future is about their context and what surrounds them. So I'm going to give them a blank key. A blank key. Most of us know that if you have a key and you want it to work, there's got to be a template that you measure with, right? It used to be you took it down and someone would come up to you and they literally would take your key from you. You take it off the keychain, they put it on a nice little device. If you've been to any of the big box blue or orange store lately, you will notice that literally it's all self-serve. And it's amazing. You find your key, you put it here, they shoot a barcode, they tell you what to get. You put it underneath the barcode, the barcode says you're wrong, pick again. Gives you another option. You put your blank in here, you put your master key over here. And whatever the master key is what the cut makes so that you hope that this works. Have you ever had a key that wasn't cut just right? And you really thought it was? And then you get to the door and it just doesn't work no matter how much you jiggle? I want the youth to think about they have a blank key in front of them and the decisions that they make, the decisions they make will determine the doors that will open for them in the future. And the way that this key is cut, the way this key is cut depends upon who they choose to follow and surround themselves with. Come on, be like Josiah. Even when you stand in a lineage of those who were unfaithful and things were not going well, 
Even at the age of eight, Josiah knows that he does what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And he stands apart. And because of his witness, a whole nation has changed. What about you? Got a blank key? I mean, I've got a few extra of these. Maybe this is a good example for all of us to think about as you pull out your keys this week. What is determining the decisions you make, the values that you have? What's your master cut look like? I pray it'd be like Josiah, who discovered the timeless truths of the Scripture. The second thing I want the youth to understand is they need to be able to lead by example. I love the phrase, you aren't what you say, you are what you do. You aren't what you say, you are what you do. And when you look at the life of Josiah, notice that not only was he personally striving to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord, he involved others. He grabbed the priest, the other priest. He grabbed Hilkiah. He gathered everybody together in those seven verses. He called all the people together. He involved others. He consulted others. He consistently was looking for the wisdom that surrounded him. And then in the 22nd chapter, what you also hear is that he repented. He recognized that as a leader, he repented of all that was happening. And repent literally means in the New Testament concept, metanoia. it simply means to turn. And friends, if there's nothing from which we need to turn to be able to follow Christ, then what are we doing here this morning? It's an exercise in futility and fellowship only. But in our bones, in our being, we all recognize that there's a place at which we let the wrong cut be made on our key in life. And so we come to turn, and we come to this table of communion in a moment. We utilize the liturgy of confession. And we make that turn, and we say, God, forgive. And we come, and we extend our hands, and we receive the new life that God offers to us. And that's why they're going to get a cross. And the cross they're going to get is actually remnants of metal from the earthquake that happened in Haiti in 2009. You remember that great earthquake that happened? And my mother has been to Haiti many, many times. The first trip that we were able to get in with non-emergency relief, we went to visit the hospital, this destruction, and be able to get pictures. And I was with my mom to help her assess. And there were a group of artisans. Now, what do you do when your whole nation's been ravished and abused? It's a place that Americans shouldn't travel even now because of the corruption. Well, there's a group of people that what they did is they went through all of the metal that was supposed to be thrown away. And in the hands of the artisan, they made crosses. Every one of the crosses here is unique. It was ham-hammered, and some of them were painted. And I want them to have a cross as they go out because it's a symbol of repentance for us that any one of us makes poor decisions. But it's not a bad decision that determines your entire life. There is always a chance for forgiveness and new beginnings. And that's why I want them to have a cross. Not just any cross. Not a fancy little cross from Hobby Lobby or Mardell's or something sweet, but Something when they look at, they'll see the imperfections. This side's not exactly like this side. The metal's sort of thinner over here. Uh, There's places where there's chips out of the metal. That's good. That's a reminder that even from rubble, in the hands of an artisan, 
even rubble, even trash can be transformed into symbols of hope. And you are loved by a God who loves you and will always be there to forgive you. And the last thing I want them to know is I want them to know that their faith needs to shape their actions. I will say to them directly that, um, and you'll laugh at this one probably, but they need to be able to know that it's more important to kneel before the king of kings than the king of beers when they get to college, right? They're going to be faced with decisions and choices. And their faith needs to shape their actions. And while we would laugh at that because we remember those sort of erroneous paths and things we hoped our parents wouldn't find out, we all need to ask the same question. Where have we let wrong information shape our decisions? Josiah found the book with Hilkiah. He confirmed it was a part of the book of the law. Huldah let him know that. He reinstitutes the Passover. He provides for the people what is needed. And he gets everybody together to hear. And they were all in awe as the book of the covenant was read. You see, his faith shaped his actions. So friends, when we think about how do our lives reflect what we believe, it does so in the following ways. Are you willing to stand apart to be different? Will you lead by example? And will you let your faith shape your actions?